If you have your Bibles, would you stand with me in Joshua chapter 24? Joshua 24, verses 1 through 15. We may read it all, we may not. The main focus of the message today is verses 14 through 15. But the first few verses of Joshua 24 are very important because they go with the message. It all goes, and I want you to see the context of what's happening. So here's where we pick up here in Joshua 24. As you remember, the children of Israel were captive in Egypt. You remember they went to Egypt when there was a famine, and uh, Joseph provided for them. You know the whole story of how Joseph made it there. His brother sold him into slavery. Uh, what, what men meant for evil in Joseph's life, God meant for good. God used Joseph not only to save Israel, but to save the Egyptians also in interpreting the vision that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, and that during that seven years of plenty that the Egyptians needed to store away their grain and their food and all of that so that they had food to eat when the seven years of famine would come. And they would not only be able to feed the Egyptians, but they would be able to feed others who would come to Egypt seeking food. And that's when Israel came. That's when the Jews came. And then they became captive to the Egyptians for a long time. And then God brought Moses up and he used Moses to deliver God's people from Egyptian bondage and they passed through the Red Sea and they ended up in a place called the wilderness and for 40 years they lingered in the wilderness because they had disobeyed God and God had a land that was promised to them it was called the promised land across the Jordan River and um, and they weren't able to cross and Moses even couldn't cross he died and when he died Joshua and Caleb were able to lead a new generation of people into the promised land. And so Joshua led them. And now after the victories that they had experienced, once they got into the promised land, Joshua met with the people, and this is the speech that he gives them. And he reminds them of some things. So in Joshua 24, verse 1, the Bible says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, he summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and assigned the hill country to Seir, to Esau, of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen. As far as the Red Sea, but they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. But I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And then he talks about Balak and 
the curse that was placed upon the people. And then he says here in verse 10, But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Man, there are a bunch of ites there, aren't there? The ites. And you know what? We can apply it to our day. God has fought on our behalf against the Coronaites, okay? So there's ites. I mean, they're, they're in every generation. And then he says this. He says here, but I gave them into your hands in verse 12, and I sent the hornet ahead of you. There's the murder hornet. It's in the Bible. Long before it came into Washington State, it was here. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is right here in the Bible. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also, the two Amorite kings, you did not, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So verses 1 through 13, Joshua is giving them a quick synopsis of the history of the hand of God and the hand of blessing upon their lives. And then he says here, so now, in verse 14, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given a message to me to share with your people. A message of challenge, but a message of, of encouragement. May we make the right choice. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So I've titled the message simply this. We're one big family. We're coming back together again. And we're starting the slow process of, of corporate worship and corporate gatherings and meetings and Bible studies again. So I think it's important for us to have a quick history lesson and to remind ourselves of the commitment that we all made when we received Christ as our Savior. Because when we received Christ, we basically, basically said this, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and who I'm responsible for, we will serve the Lord. One big family, as for me and my house. And so I want you to see four things here about how for me and my house. Now, you see how that applies to me now. At one time, it applied to me and my wife and my three children. They were under my roof and under my authority and under my leadership. Now, there was no guarantee that they were going to live for God. As a matter of fact, I can, I, as a guarantee, I can tell you they did, they did things that I did not know about. Just like I did to my parents, right? 
Some of you know some of the things that my kids did, and I still to this day don't even know. And I know some of the things that your kids have done, and you don't even know. They did some things. But under my knowledge and under my watch, I had to take responsibility for those things. And when I found out about them, I had to take measures that needed to be taken to do the right thing. But now, they're on their own. I have the empty nest. And so, as for me and my house, it consists of myself and my wife at this point in time now. That's how it started, then it grew, and now it's shrunk again. We're back to just her and I, and that's what we're responsible for. And so, as for me and my house, there are four things that we will do. Number one, we will remember the Lord. We will remember the Lord. We will never forget what God has done for us. You should never forget what God has done for you. And I hope that during these eight weeks away from your church family, that you would remember what it was like one day when you were on fire for God. And that you would once again remember what it was like when you had a passion to serve God and serve His church. And that you would remember where you were at one time before you received Christ, you were lost and hopeless and you were in your own misery and you were living your life your own way in your own pride and in your own uh, mind and in your own heart and your own selfishness. You were doing your own thing just like I was before I received the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And I hope that you remember the way it was. But not only that, but you would remember what God did for you during those times in your life remember when you were in the hospital and you made a commitment to God and you said God if you will get me out of this hospital I will serve you let me ask you something sir or ma'am what happened Joshua is reminding the people you know why he's reminding the people because he can see how they're being led astray if you read Joshua the entire book you'll see how pretty Early on in the battles that God had fought for them, they began to disobey the Word of God and began to do some things that they shouldn't be doing. And so Joshua, as the leader of a nation, said, here's what we need to do. and We need to remember all that God has done for us. A renewed faith always starts with a humble memory of the hand of God in your life and my life. You see, long ago, 150 years ago, God sent someone to this area of the world, to Jonesville, which was a long, 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 long way from downtown Gainesville. 154 years ago, a church was planted and started right here called Jonesville Missionary Baptist Church. Now the name is Jonesville Baptist Church, or as we fondly call her, JBC. And we are JBCers. <laughs> 154 years ago, this church saw a lot of things in 154 years. It saw the Industrial Revolution. It saw World War I. It experienced World War II. There's no telling what happened during some of the times when drought took place here and, and when the Great Depression hit. It, it experienced a lot, a lot of things. The people here experienced. And, and here's the thing that you've got to keep in mind. 154 years later, there's still a church in Jonesville. 
because of faithful people along the way. Now, is the history that we have stellar? It's pretty good in a lot of ways, but there are some neg- negatives in our history. There's some sin in our history, just like there's some sin in your life and in my life in our past. Just like there was for Israel, there were some things that they had done, and, but God continued to forgive them and continued to put his hand upon them and when they would come back to God. And so for 154 years, God has had a voice and a witness right here in, in, in the middle of nowhere, so it seems, for his glory with a pocket of people. And it's continued. We need to remember that. Remember that he has blessed us many, 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 many times over. In verse 10 it says, but I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. God continues to bless us again and again and again and again. Now, you know, we all have our opinions about all that is going on in coronavirus, and I'm not here to give you my opinion, okay? We all have our thoughts, and we all have our, 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 our viewpoint, and, and it runs the gamut, I'm sure. But there's one thing that I'm interested in, and I'm going to take this test. When the antibody test comes out, I want to find out, because in January, I got sick. And I tested negative at first for influenza A. And then later I tested positive for it when they sent, sent the culture off and, and got it back from the lab or what have you. But I remember saying to my family when I had it that I, this is like nothing else I've ever had in my life. And I even woke up that Tuesday morning and I called my daughter and I, and I said, and, and my son-in-law, and I said, y'all need to take me to the doctor because if I don't get to the doctor, we're having a funeral tomorrow thought I was dying and I just remember saying God I just ask if this is it for me let it go quickly (laughs) if not bring healing they gave me antibiotics and said we don't know what you have we're not sure what it is they gave me antibiotics and within 24 hours I felt a turn and I was feeling better I don't know it might have been just the flu who knows but I remember them saying we don't know what you have it could have been the corona I could have had it back then in January And I I hear that. A lot of people were sick during that time and wonder if that's what they had. When the antibody test comes out and we're able to get it, I want to go find out if I had it. But here's the thing, here's the reason I bring that up. I bring that up because I remember praying to God, God, I don't know what this is that I have, but whatever it is, is bad. And I need relief one way or the other. Either heal me or take me home. I'm ready. And guess what he did? He answered my prayer. I can remember saying, God, if I could ever breathe again properly, if I could ever just breathe without coughing, you know, and and if I could ever get my voice back, I'll continue to use it to serve you. I remember what God did for me back then. Heck, I remember when I had brain surgery and the things that I prayed. I remember when our first child was born and they told her, told us that she had a 95% chance to die. I remember when my father-in-law got cancer and we eventually, he eventually went on to be with the Lord. Not everything has happened in our favor. I remember when our grandson was born and God took him home and I remember, I, I just remember the hand of God on our life and I should always remember that never forget how God has worked in your heart and life 
As for me and my house, we will remember what the Lord has done for us. Remember, he has delivered us from all the ites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and the Canaanites, and the Coronaites. And this stupid murder hornet, whatever that is, some kind of hornet that kills bees. And that's a serious deal because bees are important. The Bible says, I sent the hornet before you. I'm thinking, hmm, got all this stuff going on, and the Bible even speaks about it. We will remember the Lord. Second thing, as for me and my house, we will fear the Lord. We will fear the Lord. Verse 14 says, now fear the Lord. So Joshua gives them this reminder it's not just a history lesson. It's reminding them of the hand of God and the power of God being on their lives through it all. And God is reminding them, Joshua is reminding them, don't you ever forget what God has done for you. When things are, are going so well that you have a tendency to think that you don't need God, don't you forget what God has done for you. What is missing today in society is a healthy fear of the Lord. We all have to face Him on his terms. I hear people say, well, you know, when I face the man upstairs, you know, I'm just going to plead my case before him. Let me tell you something. You are arrogant, sir, if you believe that you're going to have any standing before him outside of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be able to reason with him. Now, the Bible does say, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your, though your sins be red as scarlet, scarlet, they shall be white as snow. The only reasoning that takes place is when you come to Jesus. I'll tell you something else that's missing with the fear of the Lord. It's not just society. Listen, guys. We need to recapture a healthy fear of God in the church once again. In the church once again. This is not my church. I'm a temporary shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. It's His church. Pastors have come and gone. Families have come and gone. No one family runs a church. Jesus is the head of a church. And over 154 years, God has kept His church here. And He's no respecter of persons. We have to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Look what the Bible says here in Psalm 33, 8. Psalm 33, 8. Can you all put that up? There we go. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. Look what the Bible says here in Psalm 111. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. I tell you, a good place to start in life is to get a healthy fear of the Lord. A healthy fear. Recognize, he made us. We are the clay, he is the potter. He gave us breath. My heart beats because of His grace. I'm not in charge of my life in that way. The Bible says it is appointed for men to die once. <clears throat> and after this, the judgment. I have an appointment I have to keep. I just don't know when it is. And you too. We better have a healthy fear 
of the Lord. And then Hebrews 10, 31. Listen to this on the negative side. It is a dreadful thing or a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The living God. Let me ask you this question. Are you ready to face Him in the condition that you're in spiritually right now? And if the answer is no, then the response should be, God, what do I need to do to be ready to meet you now? As for me and my house, we will fear the Lord. Number three, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Verse 14 says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Serve him faithfully. Think of a marriage vow. Think of what what people commit to each other when they get married and the vows that they make. And if the vows have any kind of of meat to them, any kind of, 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 of foundation to them, you'll have stuff like this. I will be faithful to you in good times and in bad times. In wealth and in, pros- uh, in, in wealth or in, um, in prosperity or in famine or, 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 or for rich or for poor, right? We make all these commitments. I will be true and faithful to you so long as we both shall live. We make that commitment to one another when we get married. Well, in the same way, it should be even more so for the Lord that we will serve the Lord faithfully no matter what happens. And Joshua is reminding God's people, listen, anything less than full-hearted commitment is not commitment at all. Look, we live in a college sports crazy mecca. I mean, we live in the state of Florida, and if you love college sports, you're in the right state. I mean, there is the University of Florida right here, right in our backyard. I mean, there is Florida State University just down the road in the panhandle. There is the University of Miami. Those are the big three that have always been in competition with each other. But you've got University of Central Florida, who thinks they were national champions a couple of years ago. Then you got the University of South Florida, and then you got FIU and FAU and F something U and whatever, you know. Um, that didn't come out of the way I meant it. I, Never mind me. God. That's not funny, Kelly. I didn't mean it that way. God knows my heart. God. Yeah. Some things never change. You come to church on a Sunday, I will open mouth and stick foot in it. Okay, it's going to happen. (laughs) 
So we live in a crazy sports world. And if any of us are fans of our sports teams, we can deal with getting beat. But I tell you what a real true fan cannot deal with. We can't deal with a half-hearted commitment. We can't deal with, with a player that's not practicing or not giving his all. I'm not going to mention the name, but years ago when Florida was ranked number one, it was in the late 1990s, they went to play LSU. LSU was unranked, and LSU beat them, I think, 28-21. And the quarterback, I'm not going to mention his name, but there was a quarterback for the University of Florida, and the word was that he had gone out and partied all week. And, man, the backlash against that quarterback in this area. I'll never forget it. It was just unbelievable once that information came out. And I'm not trying to judge him. I'm just saying that that happened. You know why? Because people felt that he wasn't giving his all. And we expect full-hearted commitment, right? Well, how much more so should we expect that of Christians? We will serve the Lord. Serve Him when things are great. Serve Him when things are bad. Serve Him in between. The default position of our lives should be to serve the Lord. It can't just always be about you or about me or about my dreams or your dreams, about my wants and your wants. It's about Him if you're a Christian. And may the coronavirus situation that we're in create in us a renewed passion to serve Him faithfully like never before. Serve the Lord. And that's what Joshua reminds them. Serve the Lord faithfully. As time goes on, he says, people, remember what God did for you. I gave you a history lesson, he's saying, and I can trace the hand of God all the way through this, all the miracles that He's done, and how God moved and worked, and how God was working in your life. And you're going to forget Him? You're not going to serve Him. You're not going to fear Him. And then finally, as for me and my house, we not only will serve the Lord, but we will choose the Lord. Choose the Lord. How many of you love the series, uh, the Indiana Jones series, huh? How many of you have watched them 468 million times? My wife has. And by default, I have. I think it was the, the second one. I, I don't know. They all look the same to me. But the second one was the, the Holy Grail. The first one was what? The Ark of the Covenant? Okay. And the second one was the Holy Grail. And remember, they get in the room in this cave and... They see all the grails here, all these cups. The third one, okay. All right. Okay. Anyway, they're there. And they're looking to drink from this cup. And the spirit or whatever, I think he was in chain mail and all that. Choose wisely. And then the bad guy comes in and he doesn't choose wisely and he drinks and he turns into dust. And the spirit looks and he goes, 
he has chosen poorly. You think? Choose wisely. I say to you today, you have to make a choice. And notice what Joshua says here. He says, look, it's reasonable. Verse 15. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But then here's what Joshua does. That to me, this is, what, this, is the, this is the stamp on it. Everybody's got to make a choice. Every family has to choose for themselves. Every man has to make that choice. But I want you all to know today, Joshua says, it doesn't matter what choice you make. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the commitment we make, and we're making it now, regardless of what you do or don't do. That's what he's saying. Choose wisely, my friends. You can choose booze and mind-altering states, but I'm choosing him and a sober mind. You can choose to give your body to any passion you have, but I choose to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. You can choose to accumulate things and possessions, but I choose to store up treasure that is in heaven. You can choose fear, panic, and self-preservation if you would like. But I choose to trust God. I choose, choose to have faith in Him and to worship Him in spite of what some commie says. That was my opinion right there. You can choose living your lives through your children. But I choose to live my life for Christ so I can be a witness to my children. You can choose to obey your ungodly friends, but I choose to live for my friend who sticks closer than a brother. So as for me and my house, we have chosen to serve the Lord. What about you? Times like this only steal my resolve. S-T-E-E-L. Hardens, strengthens my resolve for God like never before. Who would have ever thought two months ago in a roaring economy, in an election year here in the United States, all of us going about our lives, doing our things, getting ready for spring and, and getting ready for graduation and all of the things that come at this time of year and looking forward to summer and all of these things. And who would have thought two months ago that in one moment the world would come to a standstill? Who would have ever dreamed something like that? You say, what does that have to do with anything? I'll tell you what that has to do with anything. It's real easy for me to make that transition to what we're experiencing now, to what God says is going to happen in the future. That Christ will crack the eastern sky. And that he will return. Easy for me to see that the world will cast their gaze upon the Antichrist and follow him. Easy for me to see neighbor turning against neighbor and family member turning against family member to serve the Antichrist. Easy for me to see the things that will take place in times to come. You have to make a choice. 
Whom will you serve? Joshua makes it very clear. And he challenges the people. Here's what I suggest you do, and here's what I'm telling you you need to do. He's preaching to them. He's not just a political leader or a military leader, but he is literally preaching the truth of the Word of God to them. But he separates himself at that point, and he says, so you make a decision, but as for me and my house, we have chosen to serve the Lord. We're not just putting it up on our door on a plaque that says we will serve the Lord. We're really going to do it. We're going to take his Bible, his word as our guide, and we're going to live our lives based on that. We're going to take his Bible the Word of God, and we're going to make our decisions based on our relationships on that. We're going to take His Bible, the Word of God, and we're going to make our financial decisions. We're going to make decisions for what's important in life and how we're going to spend our time and our money and where we're going to go and what we're going to do and what we're going to participate in. We're going to take His Word, the Bible, and we're going to apply the Scriptures to our bodies knowing that there's a certain way I should live my life. We're going to choose to live for Him. As for me and my house. We don't have a lot of arguments in our house. And even with our adult kids, when we discuss maybe some things we disagree on, we, we listen, we talk. But there's one thing that my kids won't challenge Dad on. They just won't. And I will give them this. They're smart when it comes to that. They will not challenge me on the truth of God's Word. They may try to uh, justify something in their own life, and I'll listen. But then when I take God's Word and say, here's why I don't do it, and here's what God's Word says, and this is why I choose not to do what you're doing. I never, I never get pushback on that. And that gives me hope. Maybe that, that because we poured that into them, they're thinking. Because they know where we stand all these years later. Look, the last eight weeks we've had virtual church. And Brother Aaron made a good point today before services that we have not been forsaking the gathering of ourselves. We have been gathering. It's been in a virtual way, not person to person. But we've been fulfilling God's Word, doing everything we can within the rights and the limits that we were given to be able to worship trying to be good citizens and do the right thing with something we don't know a whole lot about. So we've been obeying God's Word. But we know that there was coming a time, and we knew there was coming a time where this day would happen, and in the future, you know, I, I've heard something recently that just say, you know, there is going to be a new normal. Well, you know what? Yeah, to some extent I get that. 
We're made to be social beings. See, I don't like the word social distancing. We might say physical distancing, but we can't social distance ourselves. We can try, and if you do, you're not made for that. You're made to have fellowship. And so we did what we could and what we, what we had to do for a while. But the point I'm making here is this. Years ago when I first got saved, it was no longer an option for us as to whether or not the corporate church life was going to be part of our life. We made that decision years ago, long before I was called into the ministry, that we're going to be part of a local fellowship. It's not an option for us not to go to church. It's not an option for us not to serve in the church. It's not an option for us not to give. It's not an option for us not to do our part because the church is what Jesus Christ died for. The church is still the vehicle that God uses to reach mankind. The church is the epicenter, along with the family unit, of the heart of God to reach the world. And so we make the commitment, as for me and my house, we're going to church on Sundays. I'm not being legalistic about it. I'm not saying we don't miss some Sundays. Of course we do. I'm not saying that, that, but as a rule, as a general rule, it's, you don't wake up on Sunday mornings when you have that commitment thinking, should I go to church today or not? Should I go to church today or not? Should I go to church? Oh, I got something else better to do. Oh, I'm going to. No, you make that commitment. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. And you know what? There are some Sundays you come to church, and the last place you want to be is at church. You know why? Because you're selfish, and I'll tell you why. I'm selfish. When I say you, I'm, I'm putting myself in that. There are times that I want to be by myself. There are times that I don't want to hug somebody. There are times that, that, but you know, on those Sundays when I have forced myself to come because it's part of my commitment that I made, I usually find that that's the Sundays that God usually speaks to me in the greatest way. That's usually the Sunday where I get more out of a message. That's usually the Sunday where I need to be in worship. And usually those things happen. And if it were not for my commitment that I said I'm going to choose to serve the Lord, I wouldn't be there on that day. So as for me, in my house, we will remember the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to fear the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And as for me and my house, we've already chosen that we're going to live for God. What about you? I have dear family members that I love dearly. They're Christians. They love the Lord. They have been redeemed. They've been saved. They were hurt in the church. And I understand they're hurt. And I know that people get hurt. And when we're hurt, sometimes we're like, forget it. I'm never going back there. And we may have to get alone for a little bit and lick our wounds and get perspective. But it is not an option for me not to be part of a local body. Because it's Jesus is imperfect, messed up, beautifully 
redeemed and forgiven church where God moves. It's my Father's house. It's His place. And so because it's His house, and I'm invited to be part of His house, my house, and those who dwell in it, we will serve the Lord. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Now, church, we're, we're going to have an invitation, and I am not going to keep you from coming to this altar if you want to pray. I encourage you to have the physical distancing that you may need, unless it's somebody you live with or something like that. I'm going to ask you to do something, though, whether it be the altar up here at the front, the stage. If you're not comfortable in doing that, I'm going to ask you to right where you are at your pew to make that your altar if that would be better for you. However God's leading you. And in just a moment as our worship team begins to sing, I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider evaluating your commitment before God. And then I'm going to ask you to be willing to do what God has led you to do. And then I will add this, that your God will forgive you and He will help you and He will strengthen you. The Lord Jesus doesn't want to push you away. He wants to draw near to you. If you'll turn from your way and turn to Him. It's called repentance. Having a change of heart and mind which leads to an outward action. Be willing to do that. God will meet you right where you are. He will cover you. He will bring peace to your heart and life. I'm going to ask you, Dads, moms all across this building to maybe get on your knees if you feel so led at your pew or at this altar. Put your kids under your wings and say, hey, as for me and my house, here's what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to ask you today to seriously consider making that commitment. And if you choose not to, that's between you and God. But as for me and my house. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. I'm grateful to hear of the people that have been saved here in the last couple of months. I know of a dad in particular. Led his daughter to Christ. Led one of his relatives to Christ. We're grateful that you're still working pray there be anybody in this place that's never given their heart to you that they would do so today and i pray for you that you would have the courage to do what god's led you to do this morning make that altar right where you are and call upon him and we pray it in jesus name amen